Greetings once again. We are back today, reading in 2 Samuel. Today we're exploring the relationship between David and Mephibosheth. We're seeing the victory over the children of Ammon and getting into David's sin against Uriah. So let's go ahead and see what we can experience and explore. Before we start chapter 9, quick note. Here we're going to read about how David kept his promise to his close friend, Jonathan. David made a covenant with Jonathan many years before to show kindness always to his family. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. This is the first of two acts of kindness reported of David. His remarkable kindness stands in sharp contrast to the acts of wickedness, the adultery and murder that we'll read about shortly. So, chapter 9. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fed him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not. For I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertained to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore, and thy sons, and thy servants, shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons, and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table, as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micha, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table, 
and was lame on both his feet. And it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanun his son reigned in his stead. Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanun the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness unto me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. And the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanun their lord, Thinkest thou that David doth honour thy father, that he hath sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city, and to spy it out, and to overthrow it? Wherefore Hanun took David's servants, and shaved off the one half of their beards, and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. When they told it unto David, he sent to meet them, because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown, and then return. And when the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David, the children of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Beth Rehob and the Syrians of Zobah, twenty thousand footmen, and of King Machah, a thousand men, and of Ishtab, twelve thousand men. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men. And the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array at the entering in of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah and of Rahab and Ishtab and Machah were by themselves in the field. When Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him before and behind, he chose of all the choice men of Israel and put them in array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he delivered into the hand of Abishai, his brother, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. Be of good courage, and let us play the men for our people, and for the cities of our God, and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. And Joab drew nigh, and the people that were with him, unto the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. And when the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fled, then they fled also before Abishai, and entered into the city. So Joab returned from the children of Ammon, and came to Jerusalem. And when the Syrians saw that they were smitten before Israel, they gathered themselves together. And Hadarezer sent, and brought out the Syrians that were beyond the river. And they came to Helam, and Shobach, the captain of the host of Hadarezer, went before them. And when it was told David, he gathered all Israel together and he passed over Jordan, and came to Helam. And the Syrians set themselves in array against David, and fought with him. And the Syrians fled before Israel, 
And David slew the men of seven hundred chariots of the Syrians, and forty thousand horsemen, and smote Shobach, the captain of their host, who died there. And when all the kings that were servants to Hadarezer saw that they were smitten before Israel, they made peace with Israel, and served them. So the Syrians feared to help the children of Ammon any more. Now we're moving into chapter 11. This chapter records David's sin and fall. It's said that he was probably around 48 years old. Here we're going to see how instead of leading his army into battle, as he had done before, he stayed behind in Jerusalem. He's become accustomed to the luxury of the palace. He developed a softness that led to serious moral transgression. His life of ease and comfort as a king breeds egotism and self-indulgent. Also about this time, David's passion for God may have started to wane. David's sin and his compromising of God's favor stand as a warning to all believers. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon, and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass, in an evening time, that David arose from off his bed, and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. So here we see spiritual failure. God's judgment will come upon him for the rest of his life here. This is an account of David's sin and the consequential tragedy in his personal and family life, an example and a warning for us, not just for Israel. Concerning similar events at the time of the Exodus, through the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit emphasized how these things happened unto them for examples. They are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. We must take every precaution not to desire evil things, act immorally, or try the Lord. David's experience that we are about to read demonstrates how far one may fall when we turn away from God and the guidance of his spirit. God called David to be king, and David was a man after his own heart. Once he moved to strike down Uriah and take his wife, David began to despise God and his word. We will read how David repented of his sin, and he did receive God's forgiveness, but the consequences of the sin do not always go away. We may commit terrible sins, and go through godly sorrow and sincere repentance, receiving God's grace and forgiveness. But restoration of one's relationship with God doesn't mean we will escape punishment or be delivered from the consequences of specific sins. God never condoned or excused David's behavior under the pretense that David was only human, or that his sins were weakness or human failure or that he as a king could understandably resort to evil and cruelty. These events, as we read them, reveal that David did not have to do what he did. 
even in the imperfect redemption of the Old Covenant, people like Samuel the prophet manifested perseverance and loyalty and faith in God through the grace that God made available to them. Clearly, the writer of this book condemns, instead of excusing, David's transgressions. Their correct response to sin in every situation is to repent in all sincerity, to come to God so that we may receive forgiveness, grace, and mercy, that we would be willing to accept God's punishment without bitterness and without rebellion. David recognized his sin. He admitted them. He turned his heart back to God, and he accepted God's rebuke in humility in the end. Okay, now we're in verse 3. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived, and sent, and told David, and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did, and how the people did, and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house, and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down unto thine house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab, and the servants of my lord, are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to eat, and to drink, and to lie with my wife? As thou livest, and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. So Uriah proves here to be a better man than David. His actions are based on his commitment to God his comradeship with those who are fighting the Lord's battle at his side. He paid for his dedication with his life. And David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also, and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk, and at even he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his lord, but went not down to his house. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab, and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter, saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. Instead of confessing his sin to Uriah, David seeks to cover it up, compounding his sin of adultery 
by having Uriah murdered, by taking Uriah's wife as his own. Remember, Dave was forgiven and restored to God, but it was only by a broken and a contrite heart that was full of deep repentance before God. Okay, verse 16. And it came to pass, when Joab observed the city, that he assigned Uriah into a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab. And there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war, and charged the messenger, saying, When thou hast made an end of telling the matters of the war unto the king, and if so be that the king's wrath arise, and he say unto thee, Wherefore approached ye so nigh unto the city when ye did fight? Knew ye not that they would shoot from the wall? Who smote Abimelech, the son of Jerubasheth? Did not a woman cast a piece from a millstone upon him from the wall that he died in Thebes? Why went ye nigh the wall? Then say thou, Thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and showed David all that Joab had sent him for. And the messenger said unto David, Surely the men prevailed against us, and came out unto us into the field, and we were upon them, even unto the entering of the gate. And the shooters shot from off the wall upon thy servants, and some of the king's servants be dead, and thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devoureth one as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city, and overthrow it, and encourage thou him. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fed her to his house, and she became his wife, and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David's sins of adultery, this cold-blooded murder, the cover-up, these were exceptional evil in God's eyes. David became guilty of breaking the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth commandments. His sins were greater because he was a shepherd over God's people one who was responsible to administer justice and righteousness in Israel. There was a higher standard upon him. Okay, we're going to move into chapter 12, and we'll finish up with that for the day. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him, and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor, the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat, and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveller unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd, 
to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb, and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against this man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said unto David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah, and if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. So the prophet Nathan declares that God, in committing adultery, murder, and the deception surrounding it, was guilty of despising the commandment of the Lord, despising God himself. In Hebrew, the word despise is bazaar, and it means to treat contemptuously, to scorn, or make of little account. By his actions, David declared God to be of little account, unworthy of love and devotion. The Bible says any professed believer who enters into a relationship that is considered adulterous disqualifies himself from the office of an overseer, as those who handle and know the word of God. We must be wise in our relationships. We treat the gospel and the blood of Christ contemptuously if we are willing to participate in things which we know are recorded as being sinful. Because David despised God and killed Uriah so that he could have Uriah's wife for himself, God pronounces judgment on David and his family. The judgment is fulfilled in violence, strife, and murder, which is the sword, for the rest of his life, which is about 25 years. The scriptures record four events as a result of this curse. The death of the child, the murder of Amnon by Absalom, the killing of Absalom when he turns against his father, and the execution of Adonijah. So David's dreadful punishment, which was prophesied by Nathan, wasn't simply natural consequence of his sin. It wasn't God passively permitting things to happen. David's punishment was the result of God's direct actions. Three times God says, I will raise up evil against thee. I will take thy wives before thine eyes. I will do this thing before all Israel. David would experience atrocities at the hands of his own children. We'll read about some of these soon. The raping of his daughter Tamar by Amnon. The violation of his wives by Absalom. The prescribed punishment in Israel for adultery and murder, if you remember, 
was death, but God remitted the punishment in this case, not because of David's repentance, but because God had to vindicate himself and his righteousness publicly before all of Israel and the nations. So for the rest of David's life, he became an example of God's righteous judgment on a spiritual leader who greatly sinned. David's sin was forgiven by God. The death penalty and eternal punishment were remitted, so David was restored to salvation and fellowship with God. But his, his reputation was blemished forever. The effects of his sin continued throughout his life and his family history. David's experience after he was forgiven and restored is a lesson for all of us who treat sin casually as something that God forgives and forgets. Okay, verse 11. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. How be it, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord strake the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. Therefore David besought God for the child, and David fasted, and went in, and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him, to raise him up from the earth. But he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died, and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth, and washed, and anointed himself, and changed his apparel, and came into the house of the Lord, and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast, and weep for the child, while it was alive. But when the child was dead, Thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And David, had com and David comforted Bathsheba his wife, and went in unto her, and lay with her. 
and she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. And he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he called his name Jedidiah, because of the Lord. So here we see David admitted his sin to Nathan, and shortly thereafter David repented before God, and he accepted God's judgment. For David's prayer of confession and his repentance, you can read Psalm 51. Now regarding Bathsheba, his wife. Perhaps David did benefit in some way from his sins of lust and murder. He engineered the death of Bathsheba's husband, then possessed the woman he desired. Perhaps the severity of, David, of God's punishment for David was due to the fact that David hadn't faced the reality that he had no legal or moral right to take and keep Uriah. Uriah's wife, rather. God commanded kings were not to take multiple wives in Deuteronomy 17. David disobeyed several of the Ten Commandments. For this, God declared that the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Okay, we're going to finish up chapter 12, and we'll call it a day. And Joab fought against Rabbah of the king of the children of Ammon, and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David, and said, I have fought against Rabbah, and have taken the city of waters. Now therefore, gather the rest of the people together, and encamp against the city, and take it, lest I take the city, and it be called after my name. And David gathered all the people together, and went to Rabbah, and fought against it, and took it. And he took their king's crown from off his head, the weight whereof was a talent of gold with the precious stones, and it was set on David's head. And he brought forth the spoil of the city in great abundance. And he brought forth the people that were therein, and put them under saws, and under harrows of iron, and under axes of iron, and made them to pass through the brick kiln. And thus did he unto all the cities of the children of Ammon. So David and all the people returned unto Jerusalem. And I think we will stop there for the day. So, may you have a blessed day, and we'll see you again soon.